you have your Bibles and would like to turn with me, well, we'll be in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Just verse 4. This is the word of the Lord. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Who are your heroes of the faith? I once had a professor, a, uh, the missions, missions professor, who commended to us the practice of reading on a regular basis the autobiographies and the biographies of missionaries. Uh, he encouraged us to this end because uh, he saw great value in it. He found it to be a source of encouragement, uh, hearing the stories of those who have gone before us. You think about missionaries like Hudson Taylor or William Carey or David Livingston or Elizabeth and Jim Elliot. These men and women of faith who have a rich testimony as they sought to faithfully serve God in the fulfilling of the great commission. They have an experience for us to learn from. They can help us through our own struggles. I'm sure that each of us in our own life have people that we can point to. Maybe we knew them personally. Maybe we didn't know them personally, but we've only heard stories of them. But we have people we can point to as heroes of our faith. I oftentimes think of Luann's grandmother. I never got to meet Luann's grandmother. She was a missionary. She was a faithful and godly Christian mother and grandmother. And I hear the stories of how she was these things and I, she becomes a, has become a hero to me. Or I think of Jinji, who I did get to know and see her faith on display and she is an, an encouragement to me and a strength and, and she strengthens me as I hear and remember her faith. When we think about the temptation, uh, certainly the temptation that the hearers of this letter are are experiencing and we ourselves have experienced to abandon our faith in the in favor of the ease of this world the writer of hebrews calls us back to faith and he's doing this now by pointing us to examples of faith and we might be tempted for a moment to think that this chapter 11 is about the people And this is understandable. The the writer of of Hebrews is pulling upon these stories out of the Old Testament, these rich stories that are full of these characters. And it's hard, it's somewhat unavoidable uh, to see the personalities of those who's being talked about. But ultimately what we see here that it's not about the the men or the women who are on display. It's about their faith. About their faith they had in God. It's what they laid hold of, even though they didn't see the fruition of it. 
It's by faith that they were sustained. And so we come to our text this morning and we see the faith of Abel. And we are going to consider this morning the story of Abel, the gospel of Abel, and the testimony of Abel. The story, the gospel, and the testimony. Leading into this, we, I just want to briefly, before we go any further, turn to Genesis 4. Genesis 4, we're going to look at the first five verses. This is where we get the story of Abel. Now Adam, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry. And his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. This desire is for you, but you must not overcome it. But you must not let it rule over. You must rule over it, excuse me. And it goes on. We're not going to read the whole thing here, but it goes on. And we know what happens with the story of Cain and Abel, right? Uh, Cain kills his brother Abel uh, in jealousy and in anger. But the object, of course, not is, of the story is not Cain. It's Abel. Abel's offering that was received as acceptable while Cain's was not. Why? Why was one offering received and the other not? And there are two dominant opinions about this. The first says that it was an issue of faith. One had faith while the other didn't. The second points to what was offered. One offered fruit while the other one offered a blood offering let's we're going to look at both of these briefly as we go through because i think it's important what, what we understand how we understand this we see from the beginning that abel was a man of faith cain was not a man of faith and so the first would argue that the first uh, option argues this god received abel's offering and not cain's offering because abel's offering was offered in faith john calvin of this, who's of this opinion, says the sacrifice of Abel was more acceptable than that of his brother only because it was sacrificed, or excuse me, it was sanctified by faith. Where did his pleasing come from other than that he had a heart purified by faith? And Calvin would point to places like Romans 14, 23, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because he, he is eating not from faith, from whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Likewise, Galatians 5, 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So the first option is that it was an issue, a faith issue. Uh, what was offered was offered with a right heart. The second is points to what was offered. The blood offering versus the fruit offering. And the, those who would hold this view point to the fact that, as scripture tells us, uh, there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And this is certainly true. We see this over and over again. Uh, the question is, uh, 
were there any regulations up to this point for Cain and Abel on how they were to sacrifice? Is the sacrifice what mattered here? And some commentators would argue that uh, the killing of the animals to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve points to the need of a blood sacrifice. And, and I think that we need to, as we come to this text, as we look at Abel, we have to acknowledge the difficulty that we come to here. I, on a whim, I have five friends, all pastors, went to seminary with them, and we have a text thread that's always going on on our phones. And so I sent it, I just wanted to see how people would respond. I sent a text this week, you know. Why was Cain's sacrifice not acceptable? And then I sat there and watched as my friends argued for like two hours. And two of them were like, it's because of the faith. And two of them were because it was because of the blood. And they just went back and forth. And it was interesting. It was fascinating to sit there and watch. And every now and again, I'd stir the pot because that was fun too. Um, but uh, it was, it, uh, we need to acknowledge the fact that this is not uh, an easy thing to work through. Um. It's a difficult text. Likewise, not only have my four friends who are young pastors have this difficulty, many commentators have taken different views on this. As we say, Calvin is in one camp, and you may go to some other uh, commentators who are in other camps. I'm going to give you my conclusions as well as I can based upon this uh, on my own study. Um, and whether I'm wrong or not, you can decide. <laughs> I don't believe Cain and Abel were given explicit instructions on how to sacrifice here. In fact, out of curiosity, I, I looked up some words, and uh, we tend to think that they made sacrifice. What the text actually says is they made an offering. It's the same word that's used of the offering of the bread, the, the grain offering, which is a different Hebrew word that is used of the blood offering or sacrifice. Um, I believe here they were seeking to worship God. They weren't looking to atone for sins. They were looking to... Um, sacrifice or give an offering to God as an act of worship. And as an act of worship, one was accepted and one was not. I don't think they understood what they were ex explicitly supposed to do because they weren't told they were supposed to do anything explicitly. They were just coming and trying to worship God in the best manner that they could. So then why was Abel's offering acceptable and Cain's was not. And I think we find the answer in verse 4 of chapter 11 of Hebrews. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. He offered his sacrifice by faith. It was through faith that he came to God and sought to worship him And that faith, it goes on to say, in verse 4, was commended as righteous. This is the same kind of language that is used of Abraham, right? Abraham had faith, and it was credited to him as righteous. This faith of Abel was commended to him as righteous. Cain's heart, however, did not seek to give God the glory. I'll say this, though. I think at the end of the day, no matter how you view this text, the point remains the same. There is a correct and there is a wrong way to approach God. We cannot approach God however we want. 
God has instructed us how we are to approach him. We can't come on our own terms. We must always come on his terms. And I think we have a tendency to forget this. We try to set the standards and the rules for how God will accept us. We make offerings. But what we're really doing is entering into a game of manipulation, manipulation with God. Hey, God, look what I did for you today. Do you love me now? Hey, God, I didn't do this today. Do you love me now? We seek to appease his wrath. We uh, seek to make God like us, which that's what we try to do, right? This idea of reciprocity. If I do something for you, you have to do something back for me. Maybe we even think we can pull the wool over God's eyes and he won't see our hearts. And this is a grave error that we cannot fall into. We must come to God as he has instructed us to come to him. All that being said, I also think we see a wonderful picture of the gospel in Abel's sacrifice. I think we get the benefit when we look back at Abel and see his sacrifice, we get the benefit of the rest of the Bible, right? We get the benefit of the Old Testament. We get the benefit of the New Testament. And we get to see how the blood sacrifice actually played out in the rest of the Bible. And so I think we can't miss that. I definitely think there is some foreshadowing, which you're like, well, Daniel, that's confusing. You just said you didn't think it was that. And I said, I don't. But I do think we, it, we would be foolish not to go, oh, yeah, there's this wonderful, beautiful picture here of the sacrifice of the lamb that we see in Jesus. Abel's sacrifice pointed forward to the atoning death of the spotless substitute. We are accepted as righteous only by the imputed righteousness of Christ on us. Jesus has made sacrifice of himself so that we who are unable to come are made able to come. That was a play on words. I didn't mean to do that. That's funny though, right? Made able to come. Did you all get it? I don't want to pass over this. Does everybody get it? I want to make sure everybody got it. It was really clever and I didn't even mean to do it. Thanks. Okay. Let's pat me on the back now. (laughs) We do not come based on our own merits. It was true for Cain. It was true for Abel. It's not the offering that was pleasing to God. It was the presence of faith. But we have to be reminded of the fact that what did Abel have faith in? Well, you go, well, Daniel, this is chapter 4. Not much has happened, right? Chapter 4 of of, of the first book of the Bible. But Cain or, or Abel already had a promise. Do you remember what that promise was? It was a promise given to his mother. Uh, Eve, from your line, there is going to come a seed, the seed of the woman. And what she's going to do is crush the head of the seed of the serpent. And all this, and Abel knew this, all that your parents messed up, <laughs> he got, Abel was in that unique position where he go, well, mom, dad, it's all your fault. Kind of was. <laughs> um, he didn't, of course, because he was a faithful good boy. Uh, I don't know if he did or not, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, but he got, to, he got to say everything that was undone would be made right in the seed of the woman. He knew that promise. And he had faith 
in that promise. Abel had faith that that redeemer would come. One who would crush the serpent. It was the one true gospel that people continue to miss. People continue trying to come on their own merits, upon their own faith. And there's no other way we can come to God, not by religious tradition, uh, not by earning our way, not by any device of man. And we go to scripture, it says the same thing, Acts 4.12. And there's salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is justification by faith. That's my, that's my Reformation message for the month, right? It's October. Justification by faith. Faith, or Abel was declared righteous and justified by God. This is what it tells us in verse 4. Through Through his faith, he was commended as righteous. He rested on the saving work of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you might go, but Jesus wasn't there yet. And I'm like, I know he was looking forward to Jesus coming. Where he would be declared right. The blood of Abel's sacrifice foreshadowed the cross. It's forgiveness of sin that is offered to all those who come and call upon his name. God offered the blood of his own son so that the way would, way would be made wide open. The gospel that Abel had, the gospel that he hoped in, is the same, the very same gospel that we have today. We are not made right based on our own efforts. And if we can't be made right based upon our own efforts, then we can only be made right on the efforts of someone else. Therefore, we have faith in Christ. Have faith that Christ is the one true son of God. Have faith in the perfect life of obedience of Christ. We have faith in his substitutionary death on the cross. We have faith in the resurrection from the dead. And we have faith in his ascension into heaven. Is this your testimony? Is this your faith? Is this what you believe? If so, brothers and sisters in Christ, be encouraged in your faith. Know that you share in the same hope of Abel. Come before your God. Worship him with a broken and contrite heart. The last thing we see here is the testimony of Abel. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 4 ends by saying this. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Abel, even though he is dead, even though he was murdered by his brother, His faith speaks to us even today. He shows us the power that is found in Christ. Cain tried to silence that testimony. 
but he could not. Faith in God is never silenced because God himself keeps alive the testimony of his faithful servants. As many of you know, this last few weeks, my family, we lost a dear loved one. In Leanna, my sister-in-law's pocket was a note that Aubrey had given her the day before. And on the note, it said, what would you give up to be closer to Jesus? And she wrote on there um, three things, friends, basketball, and family. Her faith speaks. Her faith speaks even still. We must hear the voice of Abel. We must understand that we are justified by faith. We are clothed in the same blood of Jesus. Imagine with me, if you will, for a moment, the moment of Abel's death. Something happened in the history of the world that had never happened before. And you you might be tempted to go, yeah, a heinous murder. And that's true. But something else happened too. All of a sudden, in the courts of heaven, the perfected Abel showed up in the courts of God. And why was he there? Based upon the faith that he had in Christ, the hope that he had in Christ. Abel speaks to us even still. As we look at the death of Abel, there's a temptation. As we look at the death of any believer, there's a temptation to despair. Look at this man, this person of faith. Look at the sacrifice that they gave that honored God. But they're no longer here. Death has claimed them. But in these times, we have to look at their life. What did they believe in? What did they hope in? Even though they suffered under the curse of death, they did not remain under that curse. Abel had faith that God would do everything that he said he would do. That he would send that one who would crush the head of the serpent. That what began with his parents' sin would be made right again. This is the hope that he had. This is the faith that he had. And brothers and sisters in Christ, we share in this hope. We must understand who we are before Christ. That we are those who are made just by the blood of the Lamb. That as we have faith in him, in Christ, our faith is commended as righteousness, not because of our own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Christ put on us as a new garment. 
We are clothed in him. In his righteousness. Abel came before God with a heart that sought to honor him. His offering was pleasing to God because he came by faith. And in Abel, we see a shadow of Christ to come. That he would make a perfect, Christ would make a perfect sacrifice for sins. That he would restore all things. Therefore, brothers and sisters in Christ, let us hear the testimony of Abel. Let us hear of the testimony of Abel, who by faith offered to God an acceptable sacrifice. Because this is what Abel does. He comes to us in our temptation. He comes to us in our worry. He comes into us when that little voice in the back of our head says, this is all hogwash. The world is right. You are wrong. Go live as you would want to live. There's no way, even if there is a God, that that God could love you. And Abel comes to us and says, brother, sister, Jesus is better. Better than what? Everything. Everything. He is better than everything. He has made sacrifice for you. He has crushed the head of the serpent so thoroughly that there is nothing that we have to fear, not death, not sin, not this world. We are free. We are free and we have been made right in the blood of the lamb. And this is what we're going to see. I think one of the reasons... You may be tempted in a few weeks to go, man, the writer of Hebrews is really belaboring the point. Because each week, what we're going to do for several weeks now, many weeks, is look at different men and women and their faith. And and let me give you a spoiler. The object of their faith is the same thing every time. And you, you, you might be tempted to say, well, couldn't he have just given us one or two examples and moved on? Um, And I think, yeah, that might be true. He could have done that, but he didn't. And the reason he didn't is because we need to be told a lot. (laughs) Because we have this natural tendency to feel that pull and to begin to drift. He says, no, remember. Remember these men and women who had faith. They are a testimony to you. And we're going to continue to look at these moving forward. We're going to see how Jesus is better, even through all of these lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Abel and the testimony, though he is dead, that he still proclaims. Would we rest secure in that same faith? Would we seek out those both in the Bible and those who have gone before us, and even those we may know now, who hold their faith up, would we see their faith? Would it be an example to us? And would it strengthen us? Would we not hold them up as higher than Christ, but would they be instruments in which they can point us to Christ? We ask and pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.